Hi, it's, um, let's see now, it's Tuesday, just finished college, uh, the day before Tynus Esther, and I'm going to say a word, a word, or a part, a word anyway, uh, about Purim, now from this year, from the past, this year I'm saving for the party on, uh, on Thursday, but, um, as I pull up on my file, I keep seeing Purim 2016, Purim 2016. And I can't get rid of it. You know, every time you hit on it, that's the first thing that comes up. So, um, I'll share with you something from Purim 2016. Uh, it's a little bit long, but uh, I'll, I'll, I'll try to uh, shorten it. And it's kind of cute. Usually I put together something cute. I want to thank uh, Gluck's Plumbing A Glove for sponsoring this. If I do any others for Purim, maybe tomorrow one. This is all subsumed under his um, sponsorship today. It's very nice. The second time he sponsored one. So he's got the uh, Kenyan on the uh, porn varts. And uh, without any further ado, and with that note of gratitude, let me uh, read you what I have here from 2016. And that is, uh, which is a while ago, but anyway, here we go. Onus, right? Onus. What are the Gadarim? The Jews, I'm reading from paper. The Jews were Onus, Mishtachem um, Etzel Machmas Onus, because, you know, the two stories, what was their sin? Either Nana Russia or what's the old one? Hishtakul But either case, they did it for Onus. Um, they go to Achashverosh's party, Machmas Onus, according to Chazal. Uh, Haman became an Evakanani Machmas Onus because he ran out of food in the famous story. Esther was taken to the harem had be with the king, Machmas Onus. She ate bacon at the palace if she did, according to Rashi, uh, Machmas Onus. Uh, she eventually had to come on to the king and seduce a machmas. And she even says in the Gemara, Shem Atodon Onis Karotan. Um, so Onis is a major theme. Now, on the other hand, Mordechai, who's the only Jew in Shushan Abira, that's what Abishad says, that's the way I learn also. Mordechai Yechidi. Mordechai does not bow down to Haman, even though it's a case of Onis. Because it says, Ki Chaim Melech, so he could have done it. And indeed, it was this refusal that triggered the threat to the Jewish people. Think about it. It wasn't only the dumb masses who criticized Mordechai for not bowing to Haman, it was everybody, including the Sanhedrin. The sages, they weren't stupid. Remember, Mordechai could have been killed on the spot for disobeying the king. The fact that he wasn't killed should not make us forget that really he was supposed to be killed for disobedience, as well as for ticking off Haman and provoking a near holocaust. According to the Medrash, the Chachamim said to um, Mordechai, Heavy Yodea, Sha'at Tomapilenu Becherev. You're getting us all killed by Haman's sword. That's a, a medrash, Rabba, not me. Okay? In the Gemara and the Rishonim, it's not 100% clear why Mordechai did not bow. Some say Haman was a nevad, that he declared himself a deity. But those who did did bow down to him didn't really think he was a god just because he said he was. They bowed down because the king commanded them to bow down. In the Gemara, this is called the Ovid of Odezer Me'avo Me'ira. There is a Machlok Zabai and Rav on that. Some, many of you will be familiar with this. According to Abai, you're Chayev, and according to Rav, you're Pater. Ovid Me'avo Me'ira. Tosa says that according to Rav, the reason Mordechai didn't bow down to Haman was either because Haman wore real idols on his breast, or because Haman wanted to, or because Mordechai wanted to make a Kiddush Hashem. Now, what does it mean, make a Kiddush Hashem? If bowing down me'avo me'ira is not really idolatry, why would Mordechai make a Kiddush Hashem by not bowing? Kiddush Hashem is only when you're allowed 
because of Bekuch Nefesh, to do something ordinarily usher. And in spite of the heter Bekuch Nefesh, he chose to give your life. You know, like the martyrs, for example, you know, the crusades, for example, something like that. Okay? But if the act is not really idolatry, as we say here is the case with Ovid Miyab Mira, what Kiddush Hashem are you making by not bowing down? You see from this that there is an element of idolatry here, even when one bows down Miyab Mira. Indeed, the words of Abayan Rubber, Chayv and Potter, not Osir and Mutter. You see what I'm saying? It sounds like it's wrong, but, you know, it's not actionable. This sounds like there's some element of a Vodazar bowing down to Haman, even though it was Me'ava Me'ir, didn't really believe in him. The problem is, if that's so, then it falls under the category of Avizra'i Vodazar, connected with a Vodazar. In that case, Mordechai was required not to bow down, even if it wasn't technically a Vodazar. So why were the rabbis angry at him? And if you say he wanted to make a Kiddush Hashem, he wanted to make a Kiddush Hashem, you can understand why the Sanhedrin was angry at Mordechai. Because the Sanhedrin held like the Rambam, and the Rambam says when you're not required to make a Kiddush Hashem to give up your life, you're not allowed to endanger your life when the Din does not require it. It's a very famous Rambam. Mordechai held like Tosis, and Tosis says the dealer's choice. If you want to make a Kiddush Hashem, especially you know Megadol, you can't. By the way, this fits in very nicely with the interpretive style of the Mechir Yain of the Ramah, who I'm sure you will remember, most of you, wrote this um, way of interpreting the Megillah um, semi-philosophically, shall we say. Uh, Pseudo-Maimonidean. And now, with that in mind, uh, I can't believe I wrote this. With that in mind, keep in mind that very often you can read HaMelech to refer to Hashem. And remember, there's a debate going on with the rabbis and Mordechai about whether you're allowed to bow or not bow and that kind of stuff, which means, what does God want? In other words, the Avde Amelech, that's the Sanhedrin, bow to Haman, because they hold like the Rambam, that's commanded, that you're not allowed to give up your life when you're not required to. Okay? But Mordechai doesn't listen. Mordechai doesn't hold like the Rambam. Therefore, that's the Chachamim talking to, because they're the Avdei Amelch. They serve the Rebbeinu Shalom. They say, Now, Mordechai will answer, I hold like Tosis, you know. Now, anyway, as mentioned, Tosis offers two alternative reasons why Mordechai would not bow. According uh, to Rava. Number one, Haman wore a real idol on his breast. Number two, Kiddush Hashem. What is the machlokas between these two roots in? You could always say that the second terrorist simply doesn't hold it more, that, that Haman wore a real, real idol on his breast. It doesn't say so in the Megillah. A fine explanation is offered by the Aristavaj, my favorite source of Megillah. At first, Haman wore an idol. He did. And Mordechai used it as an excuse not to bow down. That's why it says, Notice they say he's not bowing down because he's Jewish. He's wearing an idol. Acknowledging, this is all Yonason Amish, not me. Acknowledging this as a legitimate excuse and desiring the public abasement of Mordechai, Haman subsequently removed the idol. And Mordechai still refused to bow down. And that's why it says, He was enraged. That even though it's not an idol, Mordechai still refused to 
to, to, to bow down. According to this, both Terutzim are correct and do not contradict each other. He did wear an idol at first, but later he didn't wear an idol. You get it? Later he, 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 he didn't do that, okay? So it's just a Vartan Kiddush Hashem. Alternatively, you could explain it the following way. Why were people bowing down to Haman? Because of the command of the king. Now, did the king, Ahasuerus, think Haman was a god? Obviously not. So why did he command Obezans to Haman? The answer is to buttress his own monarchy, Ahasuerus' own monarchy. If people worship the prime minister, then the authority of the prime minister's boss will be greatly enhanced, and there will be fewer rebellions. Excuse me. In other words, the king wanted Haman to be bowed to for the political benefit of the king and the empire. Since the motivation here was ultimately political, it's called Hanas Atzmo. So, you remember in the Gemara, they say one way around the Yehar Gwalyavars is if it's Karka Olam, the other one is Hanas Atzmo. Right? If the if the guy who's forcing the Jew to do something is doing so not for religious reasons. If so, you can say that the Chachamim, the sage, is held like the Balamor. That Hanas Atzmo trumps even the big three. This is Machlokis and the Rishonim. You know, the Gemara says Esther could do all this because it was Karkolam, but uh, and Tosa says, and that's for Fahesi, and Tosa says that even applies to Gila Rice. It's not clear whether Hanas Atzmo would also trump Gila Rice and the other big three, but some hold yes and some hold no. So you can say that the Chachamim were angry at Mordechai, they held Hanas Atzmo, which the case of Haman is, because I just said, it's not really believing he's a god, the king is only doing it for politics. Otherwise, why would the king command you to bow down to him? Accordingly, there was no good reason for Haman not to bow down to Mordecai, and that's why they blasted him. On the other hand, Mordecai held like the Ramban, the famous Milchamas, Hashem. Then Hanas Asma does not trump the big three. That's why Tosa didn't mention it. And that accordingly, he was not permitted to bow down to Haman, even if it meant Yehar Yavar. So Mordecai's refusal was based on halachic reasons and not just Kiddush Hashem. Alternatively, you could explain it this way. Bowing to Haman out of fear was an onus. What exactly is an onus? What happens when you do something forbidden out of fear and compulsion? There's a law in the Torah called Onus Rachmona Patre. Believe it or not, it's one of the 613 mitzvahs. Look it up. It's mitzvahs Losa say number 294. Patre means it's putter. A sinful act was committed, but the sinner is not liable. It's putter. It doesn't say mutter. Rachmona Patre. However, there are opinions then in such a case, no sin took place at all. I have it in my footnotes here. From the COVID Shiorim. And he's have all these sources, which I won't uh, plague you with. Now, um, I must have got it from the Keshet book. That's This is years ago, but it sounds like that. Anyhow, <coughs> excuse me. There is a very interesting uh, Asmana Rice on this, number 13, who says, listen to this, a sin which is benam lachavero, where you heard or damaged another person in a situation of onus, a sin was committed, even though the perpetrator is not liable, after the other guy was victimized. But when it's benam lachavero, there's no victim, I mean, there's no victim, then no sinful act was committed at all. It's a nice chilek, isn't it? Now, accordingly, the sages held like the Asmana Raisa, Bang the Haman involved a sin, which is Benon right? 
If so, even if Mordechai bowed down Machamas Onis because Haman was Meavamira, no sinful act would be take place. So there was no reason not to bow other than Mordechai's petulance. On the other hand, Mordechai did not hold like the Asun Araiso. According so even by a Benadol Amalkim, you still have a sin. If he bowed, a sinful act would take place, and rather than cause that to, act, to, to happen, he chose to make a Kiddush Hashem. Now I have a little paragraph here about something in Chagiga, but I'm not going to get into that, am I? Um, I'll just read it. As in a... No. Anyhow, uh, it could mean the Mordechai Halak Rashi's Atosis. Based on what we said before, the answer, I'm skipping over a little bit. The reason that Mordechai, the answer that Mordechai refused to bow down to Haman does not work because of Kiddush Hashem doesn't work according to Rabbeinu Tom. If Mordechai did not bow, it must be because of the other reason of Tosis, because he wore idols on his breast. But how does that explain anything? Didn't people bow to it because of fear, Me'ava, Me'ira? And according to Robert's Potter, so why didn't Mordechai bow? There is another Tosis where Tosis refines the lenient position of Rava and says, the rubble rules leniently only in the case of an idol of the type that it's evident to all that it's Me'avamira. Whoever worships any other idol would not be putter, even though he himself worshipped it out of fear and not belief. Uh, I hear this. Inami Mistam. This is in Shabbos 72b. Uh, but not in any other case. This explains why Mordechai would not bow when Haman was wearing an idol on the breast. Haman himself evidently was worshipped out of fear, not believed. But the idol was a regular idol worshipped out of belief. Such an idol Mordechai could not bow down to any in any other circumstances. Anyway, um, let me get to the best part of this. Okay. What is the most famous onus of all in relation to the Purim story? Not the ones I mentioned. The most famous onus of all is Kafalim Harkagigis. That was the ultimate onus. The sages and the rest of Klai Yisrael were the ones who were Nenemi Sudosu Shalosu Harasha. They are the ones, the sages too, who was Mishtachim and Selim, they bowed down to the idol. Why? Because of Mekamo Dal Rabal Haraiso. Because the Torah was forced in them in High Sinai. And therefore they had a tiniest onus when any sin that they committed, it was forced. Anything forced does not really count. That's the meaning of Modarabla Raiso. Um, it doesn't really count. Uh, it was forced. No sin has been committed. So why not bow down to the idol of Nebuchadnezzar out of fear, if it's a case of onus, or eat at the party of Achashverosh? Mordechai was, one, was not one who ever bought into that. He held that even the situation of onus Rahman Patre, a sinful act is always committed, even if it's not actionable, because God's will had been uh, thwarted, an act is taking place which Hashem disapproves. That's why Mordechai tried to persuade the others not to go to the party of Achashirish. That is why he persuade, tried to persuade him not to bow down to the idol. The others held differently, and they viewed Mordechai as excessively stringent. Then came the Purim story. Then came the threatened Holocaust. And then came the interesting phrase, Meaning, Mordechai discerned the reason for the mortal threat, either Russia. This is confirmed by Chazal, who interpret Esther's dispatch of her sermon to Mordechai, 
where it says Vatetzaveil Mordechai Ladas Mazel Mazel. This is more in, in, in Megillah. It's indicating Esther was asking what sin had triggered the threat in the Holocaust. Esther agrees to risk her life to approach the king, but she asks for Mordechai to assemble the Jews for a three-day fast. Mordechai agrees and crosses the water, which is an interesting and ambiguous phrase, which means he persuaded those on the other side of the Onus Rachmanapatre that his position, Mordechai's position, was the correct one. He persuaded them that the cause of the Holocaust was not Haman's anger at Mordecai's refusal to bow down to him, but Hashem's anger at their callous attitude towards committing sinful acts, as long as there was no legal liability under Torah law. God's anger at their utterly calculated Shalolishma attitude. For their part, the others conceded Mordecai's analysis, because you can see they all agreed for the three-day fast. What happened? The Jews saw a lot of Ashkocha Pratis, which seemed to favor Mordechai's opinion. First, the delicious irony. Haman expected Mordechai to bow down to him, even if only out of fear of the king. What happens in the end? It's the other way around. Haman himself has to serve Mordechai, wash and clothe him, put him on the royal horse, bowing to Mordechai in the process, and proclaiming Mordechai's glory as he leads him through the streets. Why does Haman honor Mordechai? Because he believes in it? No. Haman is doing it me'ira, out of fear of the king, right? Some coincidence, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> no, there's Mordecai saying, see? <clears throat> Secondly, and more importantly, the instant the three-day fast was concluded, Haman was hanged, and Mordecai becomes prime minister. Wow. It was evident to all that Mordecai had been wrong, uh, I'm sorry, Mordecai had been right about Onus Rachmanapatri. This indicated that Mordecai was right about Tainus in general. That indicated that, oh, technically, Mikan Mudor Rabbal Araisa, then they should cuff him Harkagigis. In reality, they should not have behaved that way. It was an unhealthy way of relating to God. As Rabbeinu Tom says, in his case, that's the part I skipped. Even though the person's not circumcised as a matter of earnest, he's not an oral, he's a full Jew. When the Jewish people accepted Mordechai's analysis of Onus Rahman Patre, they changed their attitude to more Matan Torah Bahar Sinai. They viewed themselves as being bound differently by a wonderful divine offer, not as victims of force. And that's the meaning of Hadar Kiblu Bimiach Okay? I mean, it's a little different than Rashi, but I think this is, this is my understanding. In other words, the onus of the king's party, plus the onus of the bowing to Nebuchadnezzar's idols, all of which led to the onus of Esther, both in eating Trev having be with the king, led to the onus of the Jewish people fasting on Pesach, and finally, the Jewish people's reconsidering of the onus of Kaflam Harkagigis. Um, a little bit more, but I'll just say, reverting to the Mechir Yayin way of reading the Megillah. The Chacham are called Kolavdi HaMelech HaShir B'Shar HaMelech. Esther is called, by contrast, is Chatzar Beis HaMelech That's where she's standing. So she can't get inside to God. She eventually penetrates the Chatzar Beis HaMelech HaPenimis. So she's nearer to the Melech than the sages, and Mordechai is even nearer. Because Mordechai wears the clothes of the Melech. Get it? <laughs> right? Eventually, Mordechai gets the ring of the Melech. These are philosophical expressions to indicate his vindication. Um, that's something from a couple years ago. The rest are not important. Uh, I think it, hopefully it's food for thought. And maybe tomorrow, if I have time, 
I'll share with you another one from the uh, from the past. With that, I want to wish everybody a uh, good Purim. And once again, I want to thank the person sponsoring all these talks on Purim, and that's the, the uh, Abe Gluck in, in Lakewood. And uh, with that, have a good day.